0: You know, I guess I think I've always been a professional critic, you know, or some sort of professional appreciator or something.
1: This is serious business here, man. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do.
2: One great rock show can change the world. Titus Andronicus proves that aggressive and fun punk rock still can be smart. I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. And I'm Greg Cott from the Chicago Tribune. The New Jersey rockers Titus Andronicus
3: join us in the studio. And Jim and I review the new album by hip-hop pioneers, The Beastie Boys.
2: That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. From WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX, you're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news. Mm
0: I've just seen a face, I can't forget the time or place where we just met. She's just the girl for me, and I want all the world to see we've met. Mm-hmm.
3: There is a power shift going on right now with the major social networking platforms when it comes to music. As you know, Jim, MySpace.com has been the dominant player when it comes to music and on social networking platforms over the last decade or so. They've broken some pretty significant artists. Uh, Lily Allen, Cool Kids, Arctic Monkeys, all launched their careers by putting up their music on the MySpace platform and having wide numbers of users listen to it, help them distribute it, talk about it. Well, that Uh, was in the old days. That seems so 2009. I know. It's hard to believe. MySpace was this huge player a few years ago. Now its user base is shrinking. Facebook has dominated social networking over the last couple of years. It now has 600 million users, and it is stepping up big time into music, it says, by relaunching its music on Facebook platform. It's allowing bands to set up a page and uh, create a dialogue with its fans, promote their gigs, hook up to mobile telephones. What it doesn't say is it going to offer a similar component like MySpace did, where fans could go to that site and immediately stream a band's music to get a taste of what this band actually sounds like. Now, we have seen nothing on Facebook's platform yet that offers this option. And I think it remains to be seen how successful it can be, Jim. They've got the users, 600 million people, but do they have the platform that those users are going to want to access to discover new music?
2: As one of the greatest record producers in the history of the music business, Phil Spector will always be famous as the man behind the wall of sound, as heard in that Renette's track, Greg. But it looks as if, at age 71, he is going to spend the remainder of his life behind bars. The appellate court in California has upheld his 2009 conviction on second-degree murder charges from the shooting death of an actress, Lana Clarkson, back in 2003. If you recall, this was a long and drawn-out legal saga. He first went to trial in 2007. The jurors deadlocked. That was thrown out. It was declared a mistrial. He went to trial again in 2009, and he was convicted and sentenced to 19 years to life behind bars for second-degree murder. Erder. The appellate court was hearing the defense argument that five women who testified in this second trial that Spectre had threatened them with a gun years before Clarkson's shooting death shouldn't have been allowed to testify. Uh, the appellate court said, no, that was valid evidence. And and it looks like Spector's best chance is gone, that he's going to end his life in jail.
0: The first thing you see.
2: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and we're going to turn now to our recent interview with Titus Andronicus. That was a little bit of their 2008 song, My Time Outside the Womb. The New Jersey band, led by Patrick Stickles, is unique for the way they blend aggressive but tuneful punk rock with smart, literate lyrics. In fact, they often pull from history, as they did with their most recent album, The Monitor, loosely based on events of the Civil War. When Titus Andronicus was in the studio on a break from touring, we started by asking Patrick how and where the band came together. We're going to assume that many of our listeners... Don't know your career, as we've been following it. Most, uh, uh,
4: most people don't. <laughs> so we want to start at the beginning.
2: Glen Rock, New
4: Jersey? That's where, uh, that's where I'm from and where the band was originated, though I'm the only member of the band that remains now that's from there.
2: What was the impetus? Uh, around 2005?
4: The impetus? What else were you going to do? It's just something to do, just like, you know, sports or watching TV or anything else. Just a uh, pursuit of fun. Good times, expressing yourself, the joy of creativity, not ever dreaming of playing in a fabulously appointed studio like this one day.
3: <laughs> but you, you've been in a ton of bands before that, right? I mean, this I mean, Titus not, Andronicus s- was not your first band.
4: No, it's like the probably the like eighteenth or nineteenth <laughs> band. But they like those ones where that was like that was like after school programs, right? Like that was like yeah. extracurricular activities, goofing around with buddies having fun screaming curse words and stuff
3: so, so you were saving this name for the band that was going to be the band you were going to figure out okay there's i'm going to name it after this shakespearean play about all sorts of vile activity
4: that's pretty that's pretty much how it happened yeah, yeah. shakespeare's bloodiest play isn't mm-hmm. that its reputation it's as a well murder about every four uh, ninety lines <laughs> i think <laughs> i heard once
2: as befits a guy from jersey exactly <laughs> that's how we do it over there <laughs> You'd been part of the indie rock underground in New Jersey, and you'd been in bands, like you said. Was there a goal for the sound of this one? Because it did seem to be pretty fully realized from those first indie releases, and then the first album, and certainly on stage. Was it fully realized back then? I
4: don't think it's even fully realized now. Mm. I guess our um, our aesthetic parameters haven't really changed that much, but no real plan, just kind of got to trust the instincts, you know? mm mm-hmm. Sounds, you know, resonated in a certain way and pursued those ones at the expense of others, and here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Including the sound of words. What do you mean? Because you can't always hear the words.
2: Well, yeah, it seems like the words are part of the texture, another instrument. Choosing words sometimes for the way they sound as much as what they mean. Yeah, for sure.
4: You know, you should uh, think about uh, the language and, you know, uh, try and give it certain... The language itself should have a certain musical quality, ideally... With alliterations and
2: stuff, my favorite yeah. device. Why don't we give people a sense of the sound we're talking about let's before give them, we get let's further? Let's give them
4: all something, right, fellas? What, what are you gonna play, Federer? Why, t-
2: why talk when we
4: can rock? There you go. What are you gonna play? We'll play a song from that album everybody's talking about. The first song, and it's called "A More Perfect Union." Okay. Here we go. It's happening.
3: Is a more perfect union from the Titus Andronicus rock band. Uh, Patrick, Eric, David, and Julian here in Sound Opinions. That is from the new album, The Monitor. Patrick, I wanted to pick up the story, though, with the predecessor to that album, The Earring of Grievances. When I spoke to you about that a couple of years ago, you were talking about the idea that a lot of this album was based on, on uh, the people you met in, in college. That's and The Earring right. of Grievances sounds like you had a few issues with with what you were hearing there
4: they did a, a lot of things to alienate me you know <laughs> I uh, I shouldn't you know I, maybe I shouldn't judge them so harshly for indeed you know they are people just trying their best just like me but I found a lot of the a lot of their habits to be pretty annoying <laughs> and uh, didn't make me want to be their friend well habits meaning much.
3: their views on
0: the just
4: world just their idea uh, yeah, just their idea about what it was that makes the world go around what it meant to be a decent person didn't really jive with my ideas of those things not to say mine is right but Mm. I feel like I got a feeling that they
3: were wrong it seems like a classic reason to start a rock band I'm
2: ticked off at the world that's the only,
4: the only reason, right? The only reason to make a good one, anyway.
2: But always a sense of humor. Anybody who's been listening for a couple minutes has got, gathered probably that Patrick has a fine sense. Of, because the airing of grievances was what? Part of the ritual for that one episode of uh, Seinfeld where yeah, they invented the, the, the Festivus holiday. That's right, yeah.
1: <laughs> the tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. No? You're going to hear about it. You, Kroger, you couldn't smooth a silk sheet if you had a hot date with a babe.
2: I lost my train of thought. (laughs) So even when you're making serious points, you're laughing at yourself and the world, it seems to me. Well, you got to laugh. If you
4: don't laugh, you're going to cry sometimes.
2: (laughs) What were you studying in college, Patrick, that you wanted to be before you became this uh, fabulously successful international rock star?
4: Right. I forgot that's what I was. <laughs> yeah. Shoot. Um studying to be a uh, a teacher, an English teacher. Oh, I had thought that maybe the best thing for the kids maybe not the best thing, but a good thing for them would be to, you know, read books. Uh huh. You know, uh-huh. Reading books is probably the answer to a lot of the kids' problems. Just <laughs> the to literary their,
2: illusions, right?
4: That's it. You know, we do like to uh encourage uh, the kids to read. And it always feels great when kids sometimes come to the concerts now and tell us that uh, our record helps them do better in their history classes at school. (laughs) There you go. That really feels good.
3: Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, we continue to get schooled by Patrick Stickles and the rest of Titus Andronicus. Later on, Jim and I are going to review new albums by the Beastie Boys and yet another classic Jersey band, the Feelys.
0: Shallow and dry Oh, I never wanted to change the world I'm looking for a new New Jersey like us, baby,
2: we were born to Welcome back to Sound Pinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And we have Titus Andronicus in the studio. This is their studio version of A More Perfect Union, the lead track from their 2010 album, The Monitor. That song is one of many on the album that combines historical references with rock and roll ones. And during our conversation with lead singer Patrick Stickles, we talked about how the topic of the Civil War inspired this music. A More Perfect Union, references in there to rallying around the flag and, and, uh the tragedy that was the American Civil War, also references to the New Jersey Turnpike in a vaguely Springsteenian way. (laughs) Vaguely Springsteenian. Blatantly. Uh, Blatantly. Uh, Blatantly
4: Springsteenian. Paraphrasing
2: paraphrasing boss lyrics from time to time on this record that you have said is sort of, not entirely, a concept album about the Civil War. And, of course, the name, you know, the monitor was the ironclad that battled the uh, CSS Virginia, popularly known as the Merrimack.
4: That's right. Designed by Swedish engineer John Erickson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Built in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, where uh, David and I live.
2: Why make an album about the Civil War? Because
4: as an artist, that's always a great when an answer starts <laughs> like that, right? <laughs> well, as an aspiring artist, you know, you want to uh, draw possibly from a, uh, a series of images that are going to have a certain amount of gravity and resonance for your intended audience. In my case, that's Americans, not to be like a uh, xenophobic, but like, you know, just that I'm live in America. So that's mm-hmm. what I know about, you know, we're Americans. So the Civil War seemed to be the uh, time period that was richest in this sort of uh, high gravity imagery. You know, all these larger than life uh, icons and stuff to play with. And it I thought it would be a good allegory for the kind of a uh, binary systems mm-hmm. that we wanted to explore you know, I was the wondering- relationship between the self and the other divisions amongst communities that should ideally be uh united mm-hmm. be they great or small as big as a country or as small as uh one person
3: well it's heavy stuff but it's also presented in a kind of a you're not shy about the way you present this music i think that's been true since the first time i saw you was you know there was a a sense that you're playing in this big outdoor space, and yet there was, a, you belong there. There was big music filling up that that space. Didn't the
4: good man say that uh, shyness is nice, but shyness can stop you from doing all the things in life you'd like to?
3: Yeah, Mr. Morrissey, I believe. Smart That's, guy. He said exactly He that. was right. But that has been uh, sort of the Achilles heel of a lot of bands that start in the so-called underground, the independent scene. the maybe a reluctance to meet the day you know bring the music forth into a big space and say you know we're not going to be an arena rock band that's for mainstream rock we don't belong there you guys have always felt like it i always got the sense that yes we belong here and we're going to create these epic songs and you've got epic songs on this record long mm-hmm. songs involved. They,
4: they get the, they have a tendency to go on and on but what do you what you say is true you know you do have to uh in life all that you can do is try your best with the opportunities and resources that you're given, and if you, you know, choose to undercut yourself, you know, you're the only one that ends up getting slighted, mm-hmm. you know, you're not doing anybody else any favors, so you might as well do whatever you can without compromising your, uh, ethics and
3: integrity, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, naturally. goes without saying. Of course. and, and you, punk and rock, baby. You, you come <laughs> out of a, well... There's a lot of bands coming out of that Jersey scene right now. And what was the environment like for you as a band? Honestly, we never there?
4: really played in New Jersey that much when we were starting out because um, even though there was, there are a lot of uh, what we might call punk bands. There was never really much of a home for us because in uh, New Jersey, there wasn't really so many uh, places for us to fit in mm-hmm. out in that uh, that wilderness we played mostly in, in New York City when we were starting out, where we also were similarly
3: uh, homeless. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you mean from the style of music you were playing? You feel Yeah. Like you didn't fit in?
4: Yeah, basically, you know. Maybe that was a self-imposed feeling, but, you know, sometimes when we started out, we would play at, like, you know, places around uh, Jersey sometimes, and um, we would just feel like we were sticking out a little bit, like the old sore thumb. Hmm. But we played a lot in... Uh, we played a lot of shows at our at our practice space in Glen Rock, New Jersey, and now we can uh, now we kind of have like more of a now that we've got a little more notoriety for ourselves. When we go back to New Jersey, we can kind of uh, you know we can kind of stand on our own two feet a little bit more and have our own little special New Jersey scene. Mm-hmm. How about another song? How about another song? We'll play our forthcoming hit single. <laughs> No Future Part 3, Escape from No Future, the thrilling conclusion to the trilogy.
0: One, two, three, four. Everything makes me nervous. Nothing feels good for no reason. Waking up RALLY! so far but I need something that works faster
2: All right. That's right. (laughs) No Future Part 3, Escape from No Future by Titus Andronicus. I love the idea of this epic song and the giant sing-along at the end. You will always be a loser, and that's okay. That's
4: what we call validating yourself. (laughs) The greatest gift that you can give yourself out there, folks.
2: Self-esteem,
4: right, Patrick? Self-esteem, yes, but also it's it's about, you know, there's no such thing as bad feelings. Mm -hmm. You know, feelings are... uh, are valid, whether they're happy or sad, and uh, just gotta validate yourself, all you people out there mm-hmm. <laughs> in Radio Land. Do yourselves a favor today, validate your emotions.
3: I, I get the feeling that you went to some shows when you were a kid that changed your life. It was a case of, a, I, I don't just like this music, it's, it's beyond that, it's this whole experience that I'm having right now, watching this person or this band perform. Yeah, what well,
4: a gift that was for a young guy. So who, were, who
3: specifically?
4: The biggest one, I guess, the greatest concert ever was probably um, back in New York City. I went to see Slater Kinney play at a place called the Roseland Ballroom. And it was the uh, the evening of uh, the day where they had that first giant uh, protest right when our country went to war with Iraq, mm-hmm. Operation Iraqi Freedom. It was like right February thirteenth, two 2003, I guess it was. And it was then that it was introduced to me that... Uh, That punk could be a, uh, you know, besides being fun, could be um, uplifting and righteous and inspire uh, right action and stuff. And I remember feeling uh, just all the electricity and feeling that it was, uh, you know, an important and wonderful thing and that, you know, as a, you know, that I could do whatever I wanted and Mm -hmm. that there was a world of possibilities. Watching them rock out, do all those amazing moves. Hmm. wow so it was I a phys- wish I could go back yeah. back to that
3: day now the physicality of the performance was was part of it it wasn't just definitely music. you yeah. know
4: seeing the seeing the the going all out the really uh, being committed you know it was obvious it was plain that what they were doing was really important to them and thusly it became really important to me
3: now, now, you have mentioned Springsteen a couple of times. Um, I think it was my, you guys that mentioned Springsteen. Well, I'm sorry. Sure. It was my, us, yeah. My partner here at Sound Opinions uh, will attest to the double-edged sword that he is for Jersey
2: natives. Hate him. Grew up in Jersey. Hate Springsteen. You hate him. Yeah, well, most oh. of it. I mean, there's a few moments. Candy's Room's okay.
4: Candy's Room is definitely a good one.
2: So what is it about him?
3: Decades since the heyday, you just, you came to him very late in terms of his... Career, I did, but, and uh, even
4: pretty fairly late in my own life. You know, up until I was uh, in my twenties, I'd really only heard the greatest hits. But uh, I was delighted to find that his catalog had a was really rich and deep. The first like six full lengths, anyway, Mm-hmm. up to '84, the year before I was born. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's kind of symbolic about how. Uh, about how it's time for him to step down and for me to take over. A passing of the New Jersey torch for you to take over from the boss?
3: (laughs) As if. What is it about those early records that speaks to you now, uh, you know, decades later?
4: Well, as a New Jersey uh, native, as a a fellow son of New Jersey, I can identify with uh, the push and pull between wanting to uh, escape the circumstances that you came from and, you know, go out and write your own destiny not be like tied down to the life that you were born into that you never asked for, but at the same time, never forgetting where you came from and uh, holding on to the values that you learned there and maybe, you know, the, the spirit that was instilled in you by uh, years as an underdog, mm-hmm. which everybody from New Jersey is just by a <laughs> definition of living there and being from there, considering all the all this stuff on TV, you know, the Jersey Shore and the Sopranos. Yeah, how did that happen? How did it happen? Man. You know, it's a classic story. Same story as the one from our record, I guess. Somebody needed, they needed to blow out somebody else's candle to make theirs seem brighter, and New Jersey was just there. You know, we're <laughs> stuck between uh, Philadelphia and New York City, and uh, they're crapping on us from both sides.
2: Can we ask one more goofy question? Please beards in indie rock how about them <laughs> now you have had one of the most impressive for for some time now and that, uh, that's, that's
4: um reports of how cool my beard are have also been uh, exaggerated no dude
2: if we put you side by side with a bunch of pictures of civil war generals on either side north or south you would be a ringer for you could easily have put on the uniform well thank you, you. Know, that is that is an 1865 sir i hope
4: beard. That I, uh, I wonder if i would have had the heart I have the beard <laughs> Have I got the Ron
2: but now that people have been writing about beard rock in indie rock doesn't it make you want to shave it off right away
4: no because I have to remember that my actions don't need to uh, that the my beard is for me you know it's like uh, I grew up because I wanted to have one not because it was hip and you know I'm certainly not going to shave it off because it is hip because that's just letting them win mm-hmm. okay you know I'm going to live my own life the way I want to do it And, you know, I'm going to grow whatever out of my face. And spaghetti
2: sauce and soup are not a problem.
4: (laughs) Problem? No, not necessarily. But you and I might have different ideas of what problems are.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We want to thank Patrick, Eric, David, and Julian for being our guests on Sound Opinions. Thanks, guys, for coming in.
2: Thank you for having us. For more of Titus Andronicus in the studio, visit soundopinions.org. And to share your own critical opinions on the air, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back with reviews of the new albums by the Beastie Boys and the Feelies in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and that is the Beastie Boys with a song from their new album, Hot Sauce Committee Part 2. The tune is Make Some Noise. It kicks off the Beastie Boys' eighth studio album. Many of us of a certain age will forever think of these three Guys as the snotty, young, precocious, wisecracking teenagers who were fighting for our right to party. But I would argue, you know, that after four decades of making music, they really have more in common with R.E.M. or U2 these days as arena rockers and platinum superstars than they do with a young hip hop collective like Odd Future or something like that. The Beastie Boys are having to face their mortality. They're getting older. They range in age now from 44 to 46, and they have not put out an album in some seven years or so, partly because Adam Yauch, a.k.a. MCA, was dealing with cancer, battling this disease. Their first attempt to put out this album, Hot Sauce Committee, was derailed by some tracks leaking on the net and that problem with the uh, adams health woes and now they finally have it together are they back in form we'll give our opinions on that in a minute but first we're going to hear a track nonstop disco power pack by the beastie boys on sound opinions
3: Nonstop disco power pack from the new beastie boys album hot sauce committee part two the first thing i notice about this record jim is how underproduced it is you know they are making no attempt to keep up with trends here on this record no it is a grimy sounding record almost as stripped down as a as a mixtape you might buy in a street corner in new york city and i think that's a good thing i love that sound that they're getting here There is no attempt to be up-to-date. Even the rhymes. There's no attempt at social (laughs) currency here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You you (laughs) take exception to them name-dropping Kenny Rogers Roaster's chicken restaurants? Exactly. Bob Dylan's Subterranean Homesick Blues. There's a reference to Ted Danson and the Lombada. I mean, (laughs) but, you know, they're having a lot of fun with it, too. Um, The one redeeming feature of the Beastie Boys is their humor. People forget that these guys were actual innovators when they started out in the 80s. You know, that 1989 album that we've referenced number of times on the show, Paul's Boutique, really reinvented the art of sampling. And, and then their follow-up records immediately after that were these brilliant distillations of hip-hop culture, and old-school funk and rap, you know, a live band playing along with the turntable aesthetic. And don't Uh, forget the punk rock thrown in between. Absolutely. And they reference all of that stuff here on this record, but they're done innovating. They're not exactly breaking new ground here. What they are doing is making a classic Beastie Boys record that could have come out in any era, and that's the great part about it. Again, the central redeeming feature, it's retro, yes, but there's a sense of humor about it. It sounds wonderful to my ears. I think it's a buy-it record.
2: I absolutely agree. It's a buy-it record, Greg. I also agree that there's no innovation. I made that comparison up top to U2 and R.E.M. They really are on that level in terms of where they are in the industry. But, you know, as U2 and R.E.M. on recent records have been doing U2 and R.E.M. albums by numbers, we could accuse the Beasties of doing that because there are are moves here. You know, there's the punk rock song. There's the lounge lizard song. There's the funk song. There's the classic Beasties, you know, old-school hip-hop jam. And yet there's such a joy in the way that they approach these familiar beasties sounds that i think it elevates it above a beasties by numbers effort number two is yes it's not very produced but the two secret weapons in the beastie boys arsenal keyboard money mark Mm -hmm. the longtime analog synth wizard behind those synthesizers and the uh, co-producer or the mixer on this record philippe zadar he's from paris he's a pal of daft punk and he produced that huge smash album by phoenix wolfgang amadeus phoenix the way they make these synthesizers sound. Even in the hardcore punk song, Lee Major's Come Again, this is the best analog synthesizer album, this side of, of, well, I'm not even going to say his name, you know, Brian Eno, okay? Uh, (laughs) I love this record. This is absolutely a buy it.
0: Is it too late to do it again? Or should we wait another 10? Nobody knows, everyone cares, everyone's asking for answers to
3: prayers. That's the Feelies with a song called Nobody Knows from their new album. Yes, a new Feelies album called Here Before. Jim and I, personally, I don't think ever expected to see this day. A new mm-hmm. Feelies album? It has been a long time. 1991, in fact, was the last studio album from this fine, fine Northern New Jersey band. A band that works on its own time. It does not rush anything. Over a course of a career that began in the late 70s, out of that New York, New Jersey, new wave punk scene, the Felix have produced exactly five studio albums, if you count the new one. So, again, a band that does not rush anything. Over the course of that time, they have developed a reputation as one of the finest bands to emerge from that late 70s scene. Their debut album, 1980s Crazy Rhythms, a remarkable statement from that era The Crazy Rhythms. Rhythmically, one of the most innovative records ever made that came out of that scene. It took them another six years before they finally made a follow up called. The Good Earth, produced by one Peter Buck of R.E.M., they were accumulating some really big-time fans. Sonic Youth loved them. R.E.M. loved them. Name-checking this band all over the place. But again, in no hurry to make new albums. They also had a major cameo in that 1986 Jonathan Demme movie, Something Wild. They were the band that played at the high school reunion of the two stars in that film. People took notice of that as well. Who are these guys playing all these monkeys covers and David Bowie covers? It was the Feelys. Now, the Feelys went on hiatus, as they said, after their 1991 album. And people were wondering, are we ever going to see them again? They all went their separate ways, all had day jobs, all had raised families. Finally, they are back after nearly two decades with a new album, Here Before. We're going to review it in a minute, but let's play a track from it first. It's called Time Is Right from the new Feelies album, Here Before, on Sound Opinions.
0: Another key, another dip into the sea of endless possibility. The time is right for us to be in time. Right now, tonight.
1: Stay out of trouble,
0: take care of your name Playing it forward, stay in the game Find a way without a plan Pick each day as best we can Something for the world to see The time is right for us to be in time Right
2: Time is Right by the Feelys from their new album, Here Before on Sound Opinions. Greg, a fine introduction to a band that really has meant a lot to me throughout my life. This is one of my favorite groups of all time. I would not be easier on them because of that. I would, in fact, be harsher. And I initially was thinking that Here Before was an awfully sleepy album. But as you live with it, and you do have to live with Any Feely's record because it's all about texture, you know, I realized that this is actually the long-awaited follow-up to The Good Earth. The Good Earth was radically different than that debut, Crazy Rhythms. It was all about the lushness of rolling through middle America for the first time on a cross country tour, seeing the, the rolling green pastures. And now the Feelys, you know, kind of all live in the country, and they're taking yeah. life a little easier. People have been talking about the number of lyrical references to, uh, you know, being back. Is the time right to come back? The time is now. Nobody knows, right? Really I think they've always been talking about the same thing, which is taking advantage of the small moments in life. Nothing ever dramatic happens in the Feelies universe. It's about tiny pleasures, and this album is full of them. From the way the rhythm guitar sounds bill million is one of rock's great rhythm guitarists and his partner glenn mercer is an incredible lead guitarist with a sound that all takes off from that bowie eno song heroes that tubular lead sound Mm -hmm. the rhythms the percussion is wonderful the vocals are part of the mix it's not an album about lyrics it's an album about losing yourself in this sound and i can do it on this record as good as i've ever been able to do it on anything they've done this is definitely a buy it record
3: Well, I agree with
2: you, Jim. It is a buy-it record for me as
3: well, and I'll tell you why. I really think they survey all the styles that have made them so great over time and why there is such an intense appreciation for their very small but excellent body of work by so many other musicians who have heard this band. This is not a widely known band. They are not a huge seller, but they have immense respect within the musical community because of the work that they've done. Every note... Every sound that they make has a reason to exist. There Mm. is no fat on a Feely's record, and it continues with this one. I, in particular, love the work of Dave Weckerman and Stanley Domeski. I think... The rhythm sections on the Feelies records over the years have just been extraordinary. And let's throw Brenda Sauter in that mix, too. I mean, those, it's almost like lead bass lines, those lead melodies, and at the same time, very propulsive. Because you have a drummer, a percussionist, and the bassist. It's a wonderful sound. And as I said, they survey all the great music of their career. It's a fine introduction to the Feelies. If you don't know this band at all, this is a good place to start because I think they really kind of tell you what they're all about on this record. Here before, it's a buy-it record all the way.
2: Two enthusiastic biots for the feelies. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we're going to talk about the groundbreaking feminist punk scene known as Riot Girl. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Titus Andronicus was recorded by Drew Bodker. Our intern, Nick Myers, if he was a Shakespeare play, he would be Othello. Our producer, Jason Saldana, he would be the Merchant of Venice. Our other producer, Robin Lynn would be a Midsummer Night's Dream. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori southside Malatia, he's much ado about nothing.
3: In sound opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888
1: 859 1800. Okay. So no one's answering. Can't you just let it ring a little longer, longer, longer?
5: New messages. Hi, Jim and Greg, this is Matt calling from Grass Valley, California, and I just had done listening to your Drive by Tucker special, and I wanted to let you know that there is other Thanksgiving songs. The one that came to my mind was Loudon Wainwright's song called Thanksgiving, which appears on Career Moves, incredibly powerful song, kind of covers a similar ground to what the Trucker's song sounded like. Anyways, thank you again. Have a good one.
0: Lord, every year we gather here Eat around this table Give us the strength To stomach as much As fast as we are able Bless this fool To our use thou Communication's useless Don't let me drink too much wine. Lord, you know how I get ruthless.
5: This is Curtis Mayfield. I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. Just heard the sound opinions of the 1966 album by Bob Dylan, Blonde of and I'm 100% in agreement. I think from beginning to end, you have one fantastic record. For the beginning of Side One, i flip it over and start again.
0: Well, they'll stone you when you're trying to be so good. They'll stone you just like they said they would. They'll stone you when you're trying to go home. They'll, they'll stone you when you're there all alone. But I would not feel so all alone.
5: Thank you for your comments. Loved it. It's 7 a.m. I'm on my way to church. Yes, but it was nice to start church early with the church of Bob Dylan. Take care now. Thanks again. Wonderful. Keep it up. Hi, Mike from Raleigh, North Carolina. Great, great interview with Al Cooper and discussion on Dylan's Blonde on Blonde. Mr. Cooper's enthusiasm and pride for his part In this masterpiece Still just exuded through 45 years later My favorite song on this album Has always been I Want You And the magical moment In the interview for me Was Mr. Cooper's Vivid description Of the improv guitar phrase By Wayne Moss That precedes every reciting Of the lyrics I Want You
0: So we were running it down And Wayne Moss goes Like a 16th note phrase I want you I've never heard anyone in New York play anything like that. So I stopped and I said, and we were just rehearsing. And I said, um, can you do that again? So I did it again. I said, can you play that every time we come to that part in the song? He said, sure. And I, I said to myself, this is unbelievable. me drinking from my broken cup and asked me to open up the gate. I want you I want you Yes, I want you so bad. Hey, I want
5: you After the show, I immediately played this song, which I've listened to maybe five, six, seven hundred times. And with this little nugget of history from the recording session, it was as if I was discovering this great song for the very first time. So thank you. I look forward to your show every weekend, and I'm so looking forward to your third installment on Bob Dylan's Legacy. Thanks. Bye.
1: No more messages.
3: To give us your opinions on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago
0: and distributed by PRX.